Hey friends, and in this episode, we have guest host Rich Keegan interviewing his longtime friend and fellow facilitator, Steve Ockerbloom. So, I'd like to welcome Steve Hockerbloom to the Vertical Playpen. Steve has been a mentor of mine for many years, and I love he is what our close, good close friend Mike Gesford um, coined the acronym term uh, PCOOP. Steve, you've been a PCOOP for me. Oh, thank you. Rick. And that's, uh, that stands for a person in charge of unlocking potential. So, we'll have a conversation this afternoon. And um, really, I, as I mentioned, it's kind of like. How can I become Steve Ackerbloom? Because Steve, you've traveled <laughs> all over fifty-five different countries. You're doing amazing things for the UN and all sorts of organizations. And um, in the um, adventure world, that's that's pretty unique. And you're a very unique person. It's but a little of- bit of a different path and a different route than a lot of people in this field. Yeah. So if you can tell us your road to where you are now, and you know what was your first experience and kind of go from there. Oh my Lord. Okay. So first experience is going to go back to 1988 when I was at a lovely place called Rembrook School there in West Hartford, Connecticut, and got a chance to be with a couple of people that if they aren't legends in the field, they really should be legends in the field here, Doug Cranfin and Nikki Hall. Uh, they were running a program utilizing the ropes course at Rembrook, um, just with the schools there, seventh and eighth graders getting on out, doing a bunch of lows and highs. And I tell you, that, that's that's when things started off. And I had a chance to work at what was kind of known at their summer camp as the Rembrook Summer Adventure yep, where we met. program, where we had a chance to meet nicely there. Started off as an assistant. Went away to college, double majored in physics and philosophy, which I'm not doing anything directly with. <laughs> Hannah uh, Bailey, who um, is uh, fairly new to High Five in the last year, she's the other physics major hey, from St. Lawrence University. There's more. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear there's more than just one of us. You're, on you're now the, she is now the second person I've ever met <laughs> and probably will ever meet that a physics background. It comes in random handiness every now and then here. And after I graduated from college, was going to be a lawyer. Uh, that didn't work out. That's a longer story here. Um, but then kind of said, hey, what's the other thing that I absolutely have just tremendous amount of passion for? And that really was, I looked back at my experiences on ropes courses, challenge courses, and said, there's something to this. And so the evolution from working on that, doing contract work at a variety of different local ropes courses, still working at Rembrandt Summer Adventure, and then being able to kind of spread out not only in the experiential side, but be able to utilize that and expand into trainings, things that would be more, quote, in the classroom, end quote, in terms of leadership two-day trainings, but still incorporating experiential activities. Um, so right now, uh, here's sitting here at the end of 2022 at this point, Lots of travel to lots of places. Um, just got back from Iraq, 
about four weeks ago, specifically there in the Kurdistan section there, running a 200-person conference. Saturday and Friday, I was down in Florida working with some uh, some different groups, doing some experiential activities, some team development types of things. It's it's kind of taken a uh, interesting route, but it's been fun, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Do you have any go-to experiential activities you do more than others? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not giving away any Steve no, Ackerboom no, no, secrets. No, 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 no. So there, there's definitely a few that I, I come back to quite a bit here. So for example, magnifying glass, big picture, uh, zoom, uh, however you want to call it there, is one of my go-tos there, which is kind of funny because it's an activity that, frankly, the first time I was exposed to it, I was kind of like, hey. I don't know if I like this activity and proceeded to not do it again for another like three or four years uh, before picking it up again and dusting it on off and said, you know what? There might be something else that we can do with this activity here uh, in terms of the reveal. And now it's it's absolutely one of my favorite go-tos along with a um, activity info swap, which Rich, I know you're familiar with, but for anyone who isn't, here's the idea. Take your group of people, split them in half, give each half an activity where they're needing to set the best benchmark possible. So uh, think classic experiential activities. So pick a key punch slash Kaizen calculator, pick another one, pipeline channels there, go through the activity. Excellent. Now let's bring you together after you've had a chance to set the benchmark. And now in the next seven minutes, you need to explain everything about the activity. All strategies, rules, regulations. You need to do this so well that the other half can go into the activity you just did and beat the benchmark that was just set by your group. Ooh. Neither can the group is considered successful unless both benchmarks fall. First of all, it's a fun curveball. But second of all, when whether they're successful or not, Great opportunities for the debrief, lots of great conversations about uh, their communication with each other, whether that happens to be back in the workplace or whatever their environment happens to be, which is always great. So if I think about my go-tos right now, yeah, those are a couple of my big ones. So um, you've said you've traveled to 55 different countries. Yes. Um, I've asked you this question before at this yeah. point, how do I know I don't, you don't work for the CIA? You know what? You'd be amazed the number of people that actually ask me that question or think that I do, or kind of have that small little wink of, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to explore anymore. I know you can't really yeah. reveal what it, I, I, I think part of it is. So if I think about the number of countries I've actually worked in, it's probably been about 30 or thereabouts here. And then I just have this, just curiosity about other cultures and going to places. Sometimes I'll be honest with you, Rich, sometimes probably a couple of different things that aren't the safest things. Anyone who's listening, who wants to uh, go to a great um, middle Eastern country that may sound a little bit kind of scary ish Jordan. Oh, easy. Anyone can rent a car. Petra, just Google Petra, everyone. You, you'll be happy that you did. One of my absolute favorite places that I've ever been. But yeah, close to Jordan, Lebanon, when I rented a car and found myself in a place called Balbek, which happens to be the headquarters for Hezbollah, um, as I found out. <laughs> 
In case you're wondering why I was there, it has uh, some of the tallest Roman pillars in the world are in this place called Baalbek. You know you where you are because within two minutes of getting out of my car, someone if, wanted to know if I wanted to buy my very own Hezbollah t-shirt. <laughs> or I could buy something that could only be described as a coaster with a Hezbollah leader on it. I'd be great going through customs coming oh, home. Yeah, I know. People <laughs> ask me all the time, why didn't you grab something, Steve? Well, yeah, customs slash the whole supporting of a terrorist type organization, you know, didn't necessarily sit incredibly well there. But, you know, the flags of Hezbollah were flying down the street as I was driving down, which is a hand holding on to an AK-47, just in case you're wondering. So it's... <laughs> yeah, and you don't look like you're from there, being 6'3". And... No. Blue eyes and no, I stand Caucasian. out. Yep, <laughs> I stand out. Um, but most people think I'm German, oh. so I get a lot of Guten Tags uh. actually, as a matter of fact, <laughs> when I'm there. So, yeah, oh my that's a fun one. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about the most interesting country you've been to programming wise, and it can yeah. have to do be about a program or it can yeah. just be experience that was um, most interesting or that went you think fairly well yeah. and then maybe one that nah not so much <laughs> now I, you know i was doing a little bit of thinking this through a little bit beforehand uh about what might be some interesting program types of things and doing some reflection i'm going to go with a program i did in sierra leone uh, Sierra Leone for everyone, a little bit geography challenged, and trust me, trust me, for everyone, I had to look up where it was. So this is not, this is not a look what I know. No, I had to look up where it was. It's in Western Africa uh, specifically, and the program was in the middle of the country, a small city named Bogue, just B O, and it was a conference. 120 some odd people all of us packed into a uh, nice closed off room for three days with the ac sometimes running the power oh. sometimes on <laughs> it was you know and and so it was a combination so part of my experiential work in ropes course comes in great handy to say we're going to do an activity get you out of your seats get you working together in teams, bring up the energy so that when you sit down for something more PowerPoint related here, you're still okay. But my, you know, it's funny. I went there with my wife, uh, Stephanie Sabiel, who is awesome uh, in so many ways here. She's a great facilitator. She's a wonderful partner. And in all honesty, she can tell the story better than I can because she was the one that in all honesty um, saw me kind of a little bit in action. So here's what I was doing simple activity and you kind of sometimes come back to the idea that sometimes the simple activities are the impactful ones i'm doing an activity that some of you know may know by change up or card sort and here's essentially what it is everyone gets a card and without looking at it um when i say go imagine people are split into groups of about 10 people each so i've got 12 groups of 10. say go they bring their playing card up in front of them in such a way that everyone else in their group of 10 can see exactly what is on their card, but they themselves cannot. Now, the, the challenge here is get into order from two through ace or however you want to work it out. Don't worry about suits as quickly as you possibly can. No talking. 
So it's a it's it's a fun challenge. It's a, it's one of those things that you give them a few tries, they get better at it. But then one of the things that we do is we combine together groups, and we start saying, "Great, you had a time of going to say thirty five seconds just to put something together." Now, these two groups, you're going to be working together, but combined now as a group of 20 you've actually got to be the best at time that only 10 people could get at which is usually an easier number the fewer number of people there beautiful couple of attempts excellent now we're combining more groups and more and more and it was one of those activities that the energy just was crescendoing and this was a group that could get energized on almost anything. Like <laughs> day one, I'm doing vision statements. I'm doing like, where do you see yourself in a year? People are writing down vision statements, combining together, and people are yelling out their vision statements, and people are yeah, cheering. You know? So needless to say, once they're beating this, it's big, and I'm trying to make connections with all the humanitarian work that they're doing about who your comp who's your competition? Poverty. Who's your other competition there? You know, and it's just the energy is up. And as uh, as Stephanie described it here, she's looking at me. It's about 100 degrees outside. I'm sweating. I'm getting fired up. I'm yelling to 120 people. She's looking at me, going, "Well, he's incredibly fired up." And he looks like he's about to pass out any moment now, like simultaneously. And the only thought that was going through Stephanie's head was, well, if he goes right now, he <laughs> went doing what he loved. <laughs> oh, my God. So And she could step in for you in a moment's oh notice. Oh, my still. God. Yeah. She could easily step in on a moment's notice there. Yeah, completely. So I loved that. It was, it was one of the poorest countries that I've been in and some incredibly delightful, passionate people as well. That was um, UNDP, so uh, United Nations Developmental Program specifically. So they're the ones that um, essentially do clean drinking water programs and a whole bunch of infrastructure types of things just in general. So, yeah, that was, that was them. It was their first retreat after um, an Ebola crisis that they had and uh, not too long ago from a civil war. So, yeah, they were just happy to be together. How about um, in a country in a program that whoa, was really a challenge? You know what? I'm not going to go dramatically um, exotic on this one here. I'm going to go New York City. <laughs> I was waiting for New Jersey. <laughs> Apologize to anybody from New Jersey across the river. One of the interesting things I think about this field, and we can get into this a little bit more later on, is that what we know as experiential activities can be taken lots of different ways. So what the high fives, the project adventures, the fill in the blank types of companies do, there's lots of other companies that do the much more event style-esque. I call those relationship building, not team building myself. That It's a small point, but I think it's an important one here. I think team building has now become the all-encompassing term for anything and everything. You're going out bowling, it's team building. Well, it's relationship building. And there's a place for that. You can use almost any 
activity as long as you're clear about what the outcomes are. So this was an activity that I'll, I'll tell you was probably closer to the relationship building. Um, it is with a media company. Well, I'm just going to keep it as high level as that here for a second. But a lot of what's called um, talent. So those are the on-air people plus producers and everything like that. First of all, we were in New York City and we were doing this program at a closed off section of a bar, which is always an interesting fun start to begin and with here. Bar was open. Uh, the, oh yeah, the bar oh, was yeah. open. The bar was open for a while before we got there. And oh, okay, everybody's feeling okay. Some everyone's feeling okay, and you, you know some of my most interesting activities have been when uh, when people have had a drink or two. This one was let's just say my main contact who I did not have an opportunity to speak with before, very last second. It was one of those cases of, Steve, can you do something tomorrow? And head on down, sure, I can do that. And they want an evening activity. They want something really fun, um, something where they're working together in teams. And I was told, so can you do Ultimate Game, plus a few other things. And for anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know Ultimate Game, think large, oversized game board with dice and trivia that people are answering and activities and things like fun. Do you have the okay. chips going too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You toss chips to people when they're doing good things, saying great things and having good outcomes. It's one of those, it's one of those activities that they get blue chips for tri or whatever color for trivia, red chips for activities and white chips for innovative working together enthusiasm you steve you look great it's <laughs> oh chips. Yeah. yeah the white the white chips go flying right. it's awesome uh, so in any event there uh it was probably one of the worst introductions if not the worst introduction though i ever had before so here comes up my contact here who we've been setting up mia the entire time finally shows up and said all right, all right, you, you, Steve, that's you? And she starts essentially, she grabs a glass and she clinks herself on over on the glass with just uh, something. Goes, hey. All right, everyone. All right. So HR tells us we have to do some team building. And let me tell you, the only team building I know is when you're holding a glass in your hand. Am I right? Yeah. And I tell you right now, I'm missing my son's baseball game right now to be here. So this guy... And this is where she takes a knife and just kind of points it right at me. This guy, this guy, Steve, yeah, he's going to have us do some team building. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Best, worst introduction ever there. It was, yeah, that was fun. There are, there are moments in time in your life when you just have to suddenly sometimes lean in. <laughs> and this was one of those times where it was a case of going to lean in. And it ended up being just fine, even though they were probably drunker than they probably uh, probably should have been to take part in the activity. And she came around a little bit there, but it was probably one of the rougher start ones here. If you are looking for a new, versatile, low activity that you can fit into a classroom space or any indoor location, then I highly recommend you checking out The Cube. Now, The Cube is our spin on the classic spider's web activity, but is designed with more purpose and portability. 
So what's really awesome about the cube is the ability to be able to give it to your participants, have them construct the main shape of it, have them also construct the challenge for themselves. And there are a number of variety of activities. We have written up 18 of them. So I'm going to put a link in the description of this episode where you can find out more about the cube. And please reach out if you have any questions. You can do so by finding me on Instagram at Vertical Playpen or by emailing podcast at highfiveadventure.org. Thanks for checking out The Cube, and let's get back into the episode. So, you know, how does someone become you, with, especially with new people in the field, yeah, how, how could they follow your direction? Because you're, you're not doing challenge course work anymore, right? Yeah. You pretty much don't do that. But yeah. there, I, I think there's a niche for, for some people in the field. What, what advice would you give to people like, oh, if I, I would love to be able to do that kind of work? One of the biggest things that ends up happening is, particularly once people hear that I do a lot of work with companies and travel and those types of things, I get the question all the time. I want to... First of all, it's a statement. The statement is, I want to do what you're doing. The second follow-up question is, how do I do what you're doing here? And it's a little bit of a complicated answer here, but I'm going to give this as best I can in like a three-part answer as best I can here for a second. So the first one is, if you look at the work that I do, and you're right, I don't get on challenge courses nearly as much. If I think a little bit about this, though, it's the integration oftentimes a little bit more of experiential things with other different models and other different components that you can lean into. So to give you an example here for a second. So if you talk to a lot of people in this challenge field and you talk about programs that they have, like a Project Adventure or High Five or something like that. Think about High Five working with the Boston Bruins. Think about Project Adventure all way back when working with Kodak here and other companies, things like that. Oftentimes they had something that wasn't just the experiential. That's obviously a huge component of it, but they had something else to kind of go along with it, to frame it out of here. Whether that was a disc behavioral instrument and getting certified in that and being able to run that. Whether it's framing things around a uh, model like uh, the TPM, Team Performance Model by Drexler Sibbett there, which is a seven-stage model here. You almost need that extra little bit of certification, that extra experience to be able to ground it in something else. Because while you're going in and you love the experiential activities, if there's an owner of a company that has that, great, you can run some activities there, that's fantastic. But what else? Are you able to make a little bit of extra linkage besides just asking the group, what went well? What could you have improved upon? What does this have to do with the workplace? The classics. You need to kind of have a little bit of that knowledge. So I think that's one big thing. What else are you bring to the table besides that? The second thing, though, is, you know, probably the area that I'll be honest with you, I'm not as good at, which is the networking. Being able to have that list of go-tos. And it doesn't need to be just at the conferences, but happy to do that. But you have to think about 
What am I doing to follow up? Am I creating reminders my, for myself two or three weeks later on to email? And am I doing the reminder on that follow-up later on to say, I'm happy to shadow. I'm happy to do just a, an unpaid program just to see what it is, um, just to do a little bit of logistics behind the scenes. This happened to me a month and a half ago where I had a person come up to me and say, hey, how do I do what you do? And I said, here's my email address. And they were incredibly enthusiastic and I never heard from that back them again. But I think the third one, the third bit of advice here is, so here's something about myself that I don't think a lot of people who see me facilitate know too much about me, but I was, I used to be one of the quietest people in my class. I was <laughs> really, really quiet. Didn't speak up a whole lot. And part of the reason was every time I spoke up, my face would turn bright red. It was something I was incredibly self-conscious of. I think the more self-awareness you have about what are some of the things that you excel at to capitalize on strengths, what are some of the things that may be challenges? And obviously we want to try to leverage the strengths as best we possibly can. I actually think that I have really good energy just in general. And I think I have good presence now, but that didn't used to be the, always the case. And I had to take something that was a weakness being one of the quietest person and turn it a little bit more into a strength. So I'll give you an example of what I mean here. Some of the best presenters and for anyone, look at Ted talks, look at any video of anyone who's presenting themselves. First of all, they've got good energy. Second of all, they're, they've got a good tie-in. But if you look at the most powerful ones, the most powerful people actually use silence to their advantage. For example here, they're talking, they're getting to the big point, and then just before they do, they pause and then they say it. And most of us would shy away from that silence moment of, oh my God, that's horrible. And for myself, I needed to embrace that silence moment. It feels like it's a world and a half. Like, oh my, I've been silent for an hour here. It's only a second. And I always like to say it's about how you come out of that silent moment. So for example, you need to take that moment of, all right, what am I going to ask next? And what's the most powerful thing? And what's the question I'm going to go from here? Like those types of moments here. Take a second, figure it out. When you come out of it, big difference between these two. Example one. Now I'm talking, talking. Okay, figuring out. Okay. Um, all right. So the next thing I want to add, that's example one. Example two. All right, I'm talking. Figure it out. Now, the next thing I want to say, you come out of that pause with something confident, it's going to seem like it's very deliberate, it's very powerful, it's very intentional. I think one of the things about using silence accordingly, which was frankly a little bit more of a weakness I used to have, that's probably one of the bigger strengths there. Is there anything I haven't asked you that if you're on your car, you're in your car, you go, oh man, you know, Rich should have asked me this. Yeah. So it's interesting when you take a look at the landscape that's out there and I'll make a little bit of an analogy here for a second. So if you think about the zip lines, the aerial parks that have kind of come on out, that wasn't around when I originally came into challenge courses. So that was a 
that that's been a game changer, I think, for a lot of people. You go to an ACC conference now versus 15 years ago and it's going to be completely different um, in terms of who's involved and I think one of the things and other people who are not in this podcast right now or more specifically actually Rick you might be able to speak to it fine people who are not sitting in my seat right now are probably a lot more educated uh, right now to talk about where we go as an industry with that and how we define and set things on up and work with people's expectations when people come in and go, oh, okay, yep, there's a, um, there's a whatever, there's a zip line, oh, I know what that is, or, you know, there's a catwalk or a log or multivine, I know what that is, you know, and, be, you know, having to work with those expectations there, it's, it's an instrument and it is where it is. There are a lot of companies right now, just to make parallel to that, who also do experiential activity as more of that event thing I was talking about before. You can Google it. I'm sure confident if anyone here, I don't need to throw out any names, but if anyone Googles a team building, just see what pops up and you're going to get a chance to see a whole bunch of different ones, particularly corporate team building, and you'll see a lot of things that are there. And I think it's easy for people to go, oh, stepping stones. Okay, I've seen stepping stones. Oh, I've done, okay, pipeline. I've seen pipeline. And I think there's a need for the industry to, again, think a little bit about the activities they do, the context in which you do them in, and how you're framing those activities as well. Because all of those can be involved in, it's fun, and that's it. And again, fine if it's relationship building, but if you're doing true team dynamics, true team development work, needs to be a little bit different. So I think the challenge to everyone on out there is to really keep on thinking about what's next, what's out there, and to bring other people involved. And that may be getting others involved from different industries a little bit more intentionally. Um, that may be getting people um, a little bit more of the different backgrounds, uh, a little bit more intentionally. I've tried to diversify the background about what I do in terms of the trainings and the behavioral assessments and, and indicators, I really should say, and those types of elements there. And I think there's a need for that to grow throughout a lot of this industry. So that's what I would say. To close out the podcast, where are you headed next? Um, headed next is a, uh, nice little easy one from here. Um, next work assignment I have is in the Boston area. Just to keep life simple here. So I'm in Boston for three days, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, New York on Friday there, and then corporate companies and then, uh, Austin, uh, on Sunday. So that's my next week here. So, all right. Well, thanks Steve for being with us. Enjoy the travels. And uh, hopefully we'll bump into you again soon here on VPP or whatever, that vertical playpen. Thanks to both Rich and Steve for this episode. And if you liked this, then please subscribe, rate, review, follow, all of the things. They certainly help. And I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playpen. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>